Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Thank you. Oh, we're all crying. Okay, yes, we're all crying in our, in our worship time. Me too, and I held it back, y'all, so I could get up here and talk. But that's how we should feel, you know, when we declare His worth and His glory. And, his, and do you notice the change when we sing about Him and not about us? Right? That's the difference. There's a difference in, you know, the tabernacle of David and New Testament worship. Worship's not about us. It's about him, right? So amazing, amazing. Happy spring on March 20th. We're coming up on it, right? Everybody, how's everybody's pollen doing? Everybody's car yellow? Yes. I went and took mine through the, the car wash yesterday because I couldn't stand it anymore. We had driven to South Alabama this weekend to see my nephew Mason get married, and uh, Tim did the ceremony, and it was wonderful, but they have yellow cars too. Everybody, Everybody's pollened out. We are just all in it right now. How many of you were at church Sunday? I heard Eli had a great word. <laughs> Haven't heard it yet, but I heard it was a good one. That was so good. And you know, I know Nicole hit it, but we are, this time of year, we start getting jacked up about Flourish. Like it is kind of the thing. It's just the thing. And I can feel it. It's rolling down the track at me. So y'all pray for me, okay? Y'all just pray for me this week. How many of you were here last week? What a word. Amazing word from Michelle. Awesome. Incredible. Uh, We were talking, um, I guess it was after Sisterhood on Tuesday morning last week about how, you know, in her ministry and her teaching style is so beautiful because she has the ability to take this broad concept because the kingdom of God is like, I, I mean, truly has no, you know, beginning or ending. It just is, right? It's enormous. And how she can, you know, she has the ability to bring it down to something that you and I can practically take and use. You know, it was just a beautiful word. Thank you so much for pouring out all day. It was just awesome. Great message. If you did miss it, you can catch it on the podcast. And um, I don't know how many of you have been listening to the podcast or even sent it to somebody to listen to. Yeah, I have a lot of uh, feedback on the podcast. It's we, recently we've had, um, we have Michelle's on there. I have my interview with Gina Girl that we did just a few weeks prior to. It's really good. Um, so today, though, we are going to wrap up our series. Can you believe we've come to the end? This is it on life in the kingdom. And um, how many of you would say that you see the kingdom a bit differently than you did when we started? Like, I know I, I do. But like, one of the things I was thinking about when I was preparing for today is that I had never stopped to think about that this was the main topic of Jesus's entire life on earth. You know, because you always hear that it's, it's love, right? And it is love. That's a huge, clearly, part of Jesus' life and our life in the kingdom, massive part. But the topic of the kingdom of God and what that looks like on the earth, that, that's what he proclaimed, he taught, and then went around demonstrating through healings, 
over and over and over. It's just kind of awesome. But I had never thought about that. So today, I want to take the series and wrap it up and put a nice little bow on it. Is that good? We can all take it home and put it on. Not, no, not really. We're not going to put it on the shelf, right? We're going to use it. Put it in your purse so you can pull it out and use it. Um, how many of you have seen the Jesus Revolution movie? Oh, look at all y'all. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are awesome. I loved it so much. And one of the things I loved, and if you have your Bibles today, I want you to hold up the Word of God. This is the Word of God. This is life, is what he said. This is our life. Isn't that awesome? I may start doing that all the time. I love it so much. I'm like, oh, I love that. I just think it's awesome. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians 4 today. We're not going to really be in Ephesians, but we're just going to pop in because I'm going to establish. We're just going to turn there right now because I'm going to establish something here. Ephesians 4.11. It says, And he, being Jesus, gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ." So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask, God, that as we open it today, that it indeed brings life to us. We thank you, Lord, that as we are gathered, your promise is to be here with us today. So we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit here to lead, to guide, to direct, to revelate, to reveal to us what we need to know and see. I pray that every one of us today, when we leave here, are so on fire for the kingdom of God that everywhere we go, there are little, uh, there are little flames and little sparks everywhere we go, even today, Lord, as we leave. We thank you so much for this time. And God, I ask that you would anoint my words, anoint your word as we open it up today. I pray, God, that anything born out of my flesh would produce no fruit, that it would fall to the wayside and just die. But whatever is born out of your spirit, God, we call it forth and we call life to it now. In Jesus' name and fruit to it now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. Tim and I growing up. Uh, my Bible actually just kind of opens to that passage. You know how some people's Bibles fall open to Psalms. Mine falls open to Ephesians 4 because we cut our teeth. Not just in ministry on this passage. We cut our teeth as young Christian people on this passage. And I will tell you why. Because our pastor wanted us to understand what the church's job is. So he would teach us about this, this particular order. He gave some to be first apostles, then prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to do what? To equip the saints. Say, that's me. That's me. Did you know that? You're Saint Joanna, Saint Deborah, right? Saint Susan, you got it, right? That's you. To equip the saints to do the work of the now, it's backwards, isn't it? Remember, I told you everything in the kingdom's upside down because people are like, well, what do we hire you for? 
Like if we're supposed to be doing all the ministry, because you know the word ministry just means to serve. That word to minister, that, that really does not mean anything about robes and really ordination or nothing like that. It actually means to serve. So that's, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. And here it is. He gave some to be. Jesus gave these fivefold, it's called the fivefold ministry. He gave these gifts to us so that the ones that are in these positions are then called to equip the church, the saints, to do the work of the ministry. Sisterhood is the equipping station. Y'all are the ministers. I'm not the ministers. We're not the only ministers. We're all ministers. Does that make sense to you? I want you to get that today. I really want you to get it because this is a big principle if you and I are going to take a hammer and nail and build the kingdom of God on earth. This is a huge piece of it right here. This is a blueprint for the church. This is a blueprint for the church. Okay, so hold that in your mind. You don't have to hang on to the passage. Just keep... Keep that thought in your mind. So let's go to Matthew 16. We're going to be in the Word a lot today. We're starting with verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, which means son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven... And I also say to you that you, Peter, are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overpower it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in the heavens, and whatever you shall loose in the earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he warned the disciples that they tell no one that he was the Christ. Now there is a lot to this passage. There's a there's a, a lot. That's a that's a lot of kingdom stuff right there in those seven verses. Um, it's a huge huge keys are in here. Verse eighteen says. And I also, don't you love when part of the verse is on one page and part's on the other? And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it or overtake it. This is the very first mention. We talk about this a lot in sisterhood. Wherever we see something mentioned first, there's a lot of importance in that theologically. Here is the first mention of the church. First time we see this term. So the church, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. And what it is, is the, the gathered body of Christ. It is a term used for the Christian community that excludes the Jews. That, that's what the ekklesia is, church. So when you say, I'm going to church, this is what you're coming to. You're not just going to the First Baptist Activity Center or to the new church building or to the complex. You're going to the gathered body of Christ. 
and that's what you're that's what you're doing. Say that's me. Okay, so far you've learned that you are a, you're in the ministry, you're getting equipped to minister, and now you're part of the ecclesia, which is awesome. So we have talked about nearly every semester in sisterhood. We say this: the church is the only thing on the earth that is eternal. Who wrote the book, The Eternal Church? Bill Hammond wrote a book, The Eternal Church. The church, the church is the only thing on earth that is eternal. That's big. Just wow. That is just really big right there. So we know, we know that the church is going to win. We just read the verse. Right, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And I would say the gates of hell are quite formidable. Have you looked around the world today? Gates of hell, everywhere we look, right? That's why it's very important when we gather that we do what we did this morning and we just go, just you're worthy, you're worthy. I don't care what's happening. I don't care. I don't care. You're worthy of my song. I give you my praises. I'm pouring it out like an offering before you. Because when we look around us, you're just like, wow, gates of hell, gates of hell, gates of hell. You've got some hell over there too. And there's some hell over there. I see it happening all around, right? We all feel that. You can feel that. But the church we know, we just read, is going to win. But sometimes you and I, we read that and we think, but what about me personally? Like, how do we personally win? Because how many of you know, it's not just a win for the church if all of us stay broken, back on our heels, trying to catch up, under the circumstances, you know, all the things. So how do we get the W, right? How do we get the win? How do we get that? Well, here are the two keys, binding and loosing. This is how we're bringing the plane into the landing strip on the kingdom today. This is how we're going to do it. Now, there are misuses of these terms, right? There are mis- Probably most of us have heard it throughout Christianity. We've heard some misuses of this. Um, but I want to say, even the people that are misusing it, at least they're giving it a go. You know, they may be like, There's a, there is a devil behind every bush. There is a devil. I bind that devil in Jesus' name. And you're like, well, you know, that's be- that is so much better than being scared to death to do anything. I'd much rather you like try, like try to, to, to bind him and, and get rid of him as just to sit there and go, well, my mom used to say, Harriet, I wish you'd stop talking about the devil so much. He's going to get all riled up. You have, you have done it now. I'd be like... Mom, he's already riled up, like, right? He's been riled up. So, I mean, that is seriously, though, you know, so there's like a whole, there's a whole misuse of it. And so I want for you and me today, there's a better way for us to uphold theology and to set a biblical precedent for our lives in this term of binding and loosing so that we're going after it the right way, the biblical way, and so that when we bind something, it's bound, right? And when we loose something, it's loosed. It's freed and released, right, that that happens. So this principle is very important. Now, here's my Bible. Um, You can't really see it because I got duct tape on it, but it's called, I'll tell you what it's called, 
the Hebrew Greek key study Bible. And so I have a lot of commentary in this Bible because it is a, a study Bible. It's, there's a lot to it. Uh, the Greek philosopher Zodhiates is who really was the producer of this particular Bible. But I'm going to read you what my commentary said about the principle of binding and loosing. Okay, here's what it says. And I'll read it a couple times. If you're taking notes, you'll have to kind of write in shorthand because it's, it's a little bit. That Here's the picture of binding and loosing. Those things which are conclusively decided by the king in the kingdom of heaven, having been so decided upon, are then emulated by the church on earth. The church being the true believers whose testimony is the rock. So that's what binding and loosing is about. It's about you and I conclusively deciding that we are going, or what has been conclusively decided on by the king of heaven, that we will then emulate on the earth as believers, as the church, whatever is happening in heaven. So see, that's different than us just running around, I bind that in Jesus' name, I bind that. This is, that's a, whole, this is a whole other level of responsibility for the Christian. So we can't just take that concept, pull it out of thin air, and get weird, y'all. We have to stop being weird. <sighs> I have too many conversations with just weird people. I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit is not weird. Why are we weird? It's just, it bothers me. I'm like, we got to get past that. We got to do that. And this is not about binding and loosing people. This is whatever you bind on earth, not whoever. There's a big distinction because a lot of us are going around binding up folks and, you know, I don't even know, you know, I'm like, who we're in a hole. This is not the good place. We're just not in a good place there. So the things that we bind and loose on the earth can only be done, right, if the king himself would bind and loose in heaven first. And, and if you really break down the tenses of these two words, and I will not put you all through that today like on a whiteboard of binding and loosing, you will see that the original text actually does say it was already previously bound, previously loosed, and that means in the heavenly places before it then is manifest here on the earth. That's very important. Very important. So we can only confirm what has already taken place, past tense in heaven. Let me put it that way. So this is a big part of our spiritual authority. We love the Dominion Week, right? We're like, woo, ruling and reigning is awesome. It's awesome. So this is another part of our spiritual authority because we can't just go around slinging our swords at everybody and not know what we're actually doing, right? So just keep all that just... And listen, sp your spiritual authority is so much greater than your natural authority. It's so much greater. It's so much bigger. Okay, so I want us to read Matthew 18, 18. So we just finished Matthew 16. Matthew 18, 18 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So here we see Jesus is repeating this two chapters later again. He's saying the same thing actually again. You know, and, and I, I had said earlier, some of us have been taught that that means you just go around binding everything, you know, that everything that you don't like. 
<laughs> and I don't like. If we don't like it, we're like, I bombed that person that got my front parking spot today in Jesus' name. You know, I don't even know, but it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. God, God wants to work with us, but he doesn't work for us. He works with us. He doesn't work for us. So we can't just decide, you know, I just don't really like that. I'm not feeling that today, so I'm going to bind that in Jesus' name. We just can't do that. So we first have an alignment with him and his kingdom before then we can operate fully in this principle that I'm laying out before you today. So what does it mean to bind and loose? What does that look like? Now, I think there are good things bound now that should be loosed. Right? We would all believe that. I think there are some evil things that need binding, so good things can be loosed and released. That's really easy to see, right, when you look around the world. So here we're going to break it down. Here's what bind, the word bind means. To tie, to fasten with chains, to throw into chains like a resting, to forbid, prohibit, Declare to be to declare to be wrong or immoral. Let me read it again. To tie, to fasten with chains, to throw into chains like an arresting situation, to forbid, to prohibit, or to declare to be wrong or immoral. So think of of it, of binding as as something that you would cast the chain of God around. Think about it like that. So in both instances where Jesus is teaching, we see that he says binding first, right? So that has to be done first. It tells me that that has to happen before the loosing can happen, right? Sometimes we don't want that first part. Because it's a little bit, you know, you got you to gotta know it. In fact, one time Jesus even asked the demon, what is your name? Because he was dealing specifically with a specific, and it said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And so he, he, is, he is addressing something by, and so when you're binding something, you need to make sure you know what you're binding. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, what is this thing's name? What am I actually looking at? Have you ever been in a situation and you're looking at something and you're like, I know that is not of God. And you're just looking at it and, you, and, it, and the Holy Spirit tells you what it is. You know what it is. And then you can begin to buy. Now, you should not do that when you're talking to folks. Right? You don't, and you just don't do that right there. Just go. Just, I had to do that this weekend. How many of y'all know that family weddings are fun and family weddings are fun? Right? So I had something happen one, one of the nights and I was like, okay. Okay, so I'm just going to go to the restroom, and I got in that stall, and I closed the door, and I was like, I bind that rejecting spirit of me in Jesus' name. That has nothing to do with me, because I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm a daughter of the king, and I deserve to be here because this is my family. And so, thank you, Jesus. How many of you know sometimes you got to go take care of some business? You got to take care of stuff, y'all. That's our responsibility. If I just went back to my table and I was just, my feelings were hurt or what, that's on me. That's on me. So we got to learn how to handle things. This binding and loosen is you and me handling some stuff. That's what that, this is what it is. So, and it shows me there's an order to it. Bind and then loose. Now I'm going to give you some examples of this. Numbers 22, and I'll read through these kind of fast, but... 
I should have typed them up, but I didn't. I love to just get in my Bible and open it up. Numbers 22, verses 22 through 31 says, But God was angry because he was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. This is Balaam. Now he is riding on his donkey, and his two servants are with him. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, the donkey turned off from the way and went into the field. But Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the way. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path of the vineyards with a wall on his side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed herself to the wall and and she pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in the narrow place where there was no way to turn to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam was angry and struck the donkey with his stick. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. This is a big day, y'all. It's a big day in Balaam's life right here. And she said to Balaam, I mean, I used to talk to Zoe like she could talk back to me, but she never actually opened her mouth and talked to me, maybe because I wasn't beating the daylights out of her. But this says that the donkey said, what have I done to you that you have struck me these many times, these three times? And then Balaam said to the donkey, because you've made me a mockery. If there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you with it by now. And the donkey said to Balaam, I'm not, I am not your donkey. Am I not your donkey who, whom you have ridden on all your life up to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, no. And then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn, and he bowed all the way to the ground. Now, Balaam was hemmed in, bound. He was hemmed in by the Lord. The Bible says on his right hand and on his left, and even his ankle was pushed up against the wall. There was no moving forward. Like the Lord was like, no. You are going no further. I mean, he literally was like, there was a physical manifestation of what it looks like to be bound. That is what, that's what was happening there. He was prohibited from doing something he was trying to do. Let's go all the way over to Revelation. Go to Revelation 20. Verse 1 and 2 says, And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So Satan, the devil, was bound. We see that, right? You see that, right? You see that wording. The, the devil was bound. Okay, go back to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 28 and 29 says, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and he will then plunder his house? Do you see the order? First you bind the strong man, then the release comes. Freedom. Then freedom comes. So Let's move to the next word, loose. Loosing, what does that mean? Here's the the literal meaning of the word is to break, 
destroy, dissolve, break up, break down, or melt. That's what the word loose means. To break, to destroy, dissolve, break up, break down, or melt. Now, loosing can be you're loosing something good or you're loosing something bad. And how many of you know that sometimes when you lose something good where there has been something bad, after you have bound it, there is a breaking. There is a breaking through, really, literally, of that thing. It breaks through. So let's go to Luke 13. I just want to lay some of this groundwork for you all so that you see that the Word of God is full of all of this, full of it. I could have gone on. Luke 13, 10 says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called over to her and said, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. That word freed means loosed. Woman, thou art loosed from your sickness. That is awesome right there. That's amazing. We see from that passage that sicknesses can be caused by an evil spirit. You see right there that it had an evil spirit attached to it. I'm just going to leave that right there. Let's go over to John 11. John 11, uh, verse 40 through 44. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that thou didst send me. That's kind of like a... It sort of goes against what we're told, you know, we're told you, you don't pray for other people to see or hear or, you know, you're praying just to God. He actually, Jesus is actually saying, you know, I, I said, I know you always hear me, God, but I said it for the benefit of those listening, that they would have a moment of being teachable, that they would have a moment of grasping something in the kingdom. That was, that's really good. And then verse 43 says, And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, come forth. There, there's that beautiful story of that. And he, he who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings. His face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said, Unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. We see literal Death to life in this story. You see a binding and a loosing, right? You can see it all in a physical sense. And I want to ask you all, you know, I want you to really think about this this morning. If there are actual literal places in your life that you need to do some binding and loosing. You know, there, we, we all have those places. And how many of you know life is seasons, you know, in some seasons you realize, and, and how good is God that he doesn't deal with everything all at once? Because we would never hold up underneath all that. It should, I don't know about y'all. Y'all might be way better than me, but I've had a lot of stuff to deal with in my life. Just, you know, I'm like, oh, here's something else, and here's something else, and here's something else, right? And so, it's so God is so good that he doesn't take us 
all at one time and peel the whole onion down. He's like, I'm going to do a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time so that you can take it in, chew it, digest it, and it produce life in us. And so I feel like there may be, some of you may be being called to do a little binding and loosing, I'm just going to say, in an area. I don't know what it would be. Okay, Acts 12. Acts 12, 6 through 7 says... And on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in the front door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and the light shone in the cell and he struck Peter's side and roused him and said, get up quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. Go down to verse 12. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered and they were praying. Say praying. Pray. They were having a prayer meeting, y'all, because Peter had been arrested. And when he knocked at the door of the gate, the servant girl named Rhoda came to answer but when she recognized his voice, because of her joy, she didn't open the gate. She just closed the gate in his face, I guess. And she ran back inside and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. And they said, you are out of your mind. These are the people you want praying for you, don't they? You're like, this is, this is the crew. I really want. Then they go on to say, she kept insisting, that, that's Peter. That is Peter. And they kept saying, it cannot be. It must be an angel. Like they were in a prayer meeting, y'all, and God was delivering what they were praying for. And they were like, there's no way. Must be a ghost. This must be a, you know, I mean, it was just crazy. When you read it like that, it's just so funny to me. And then verse 16 says, and Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him. They were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. And then he departed and went to another place. I mean, that Peter's chains were loosed. And that means he was released. He was freed from prison. Some of us need to be freed in some areas. That's why we have to do some binding and then some loosing. We have to do that. So the word loose also means this. It means that to break up an assembly. It also means undoing a compact. Now, I'm sure there are some legal minds in here that could tell me this better. But, you know, even though something's legal sometimes, heaven still says no. And when that happens, we have a responsibility as the people of God to step into the place of binding and loosing. Um, I'm going to show you a natural picture of binding and loosing. So, John, if you will put up. Oh, there we are. So, so let me just tell you what's happening here. Uh, you can go to the next one, too. And then you can come back to this one. So, what's happening here is... Michelle had a real sensing in her spirit that God was getting ready to do something about Roe versus Wade. And if you don't understand why Roe versus Wade is demonic, see me afterwards and I will enlighten you. So she said, We got to go. We got to pack up. We got to get in the car. We got to go to DC. We got to stand on the real estate where this decision is going to be made. So that's an assignment. We know that's a prayer assignment. We understand the difference. But let me tell you, when God calls you to do something, there's also a binding 
and a loosing that must have to happen. And so when we were there, that's what we did. We bound the spirit of death. We bound the spirit of killing the unborn. We bound the stain of blood on our nation in Jesus' name. We bound it, and then we began to loose life, loose freedom, loose revelation, loose a new day in a whole generation of women. We, because what happens is if you're just binding, but you're not loosing, and that means putting in the opposite, then you're not helping matters. You have to bind and loose. And there were some things that needed binding and some things that needed loosing. And this this picture was about three weeks before the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Now you can go back to the other picture, John. And, and along our path, we got to meet Dr. Martin Luther King's niece, who Michelle had met before. But that's Al, Dr. Alveda King with us. Beautiful, beautiful woman. And um, she said this, girls, don't ever stop fighting for what's right. Jesus is so proud of you. You just keep, you keep standing. Please don't quit praying. We're so close. Don't quit praying. And I will tell you, I have been accused, and, and it's fine, of being too political. But I'm going to tell you this. When politics stop killing the unborn and the innocent, I might get quiet. But until that point, Harriet is going to keep talking. And I'm going to keep raising up the banner, and I'm going to keep binding, and I'm going to keep loosing, and I'm going to keep standing for life. And, and you can't tell me I can't be a one-topic voter because I'll say, watch me. I can do whatever I want to do because I'm an American, right? Last I checked, I'm a child of the king. I am a, and an American. I get to choose who I want to vote for. But I'm going to tell you something. We must start standing with our vote on the side of life. We must start. Y'all, we have to. We have lost an entire generation. 63 million. Can you imagine what 63 million children would have become? The greatest artists and innovators. The cure for cancer. It was never intended to be that way. And I know, you know, Susan, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but, you know, when Susan was in law school at Davidson, they actually studied the case of Roe versus Wade about how poorly of a case that it was. It was so poorly written, they just pulled it apart, pulled it apart. They were like, this should never, this should never have been a thing to begin with. Never, never, never. So we went on prayer assignment. We went binding, loosing, and doing all that. And I'm going to tell y'all what, I don't know, but three weeks later, Roe versus Wade was overturned. And then we were like the people like Rhoda. We were like, did it actually happen? Did y'all see the news? Is it actually overturned? Did you see it? Did, am I seeing things? I mean, seriously, because it's hard to believe when you've prayed. I mean, Michelle's been standing at the Supreme Court for decades with life red tape over her mouth declaring in silence the things of the Lord. And so to see it happen and then to see people in the church go, we, we cannot speak of that. That will hurt some people's feelings. I'm like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Clearly, what are you talking about? Life won. Death is being defeated. What in the world? Like actually, what in the world? 
And so it, it, it was just a big day. That is a, a picture. You should try it sometime. Binding and loosing. Stepping into that place. And, you know, it, it was just, this is, this is thus thinketh Harriet. I think you and I should begin to look around our world. And when we see things that are not in God's order in this world, I think, you know, that don't look like the kingdom of God, I think we have a responsibility to actually bring that thing under the rule of heaven. And the way the Bible tells us to do it is through binding and loosing. That's exactly what it is because that's true kingdom living. If we really want to live in the kingdom, it has to matter here on the earth that you and I are here. You can't just have your little thoughts and just stay to yourself. I know <clears throat> I know that's a generation thing. I've studied it. I've studied it now for 2 years. Is it bothers me? I'm like why are like my parents generation, why is that generation not using their voice? I don't understand. But then I realized that in that generation, they were taught to be civilized. They were taught to have dialogue with one another. They were taught to have manners and have a high moral compass. My generation came along, and because all our parents were at work, we were latchkey kids. I'm really out of off my notes now. I'm out in a hole. I am in a hole. I don't even know what's happening right now. Anyway, just stay with me. But I was a latchkey kid, so I raised myself. I raised myself, and I became very individualized. My generation, we are very individualized. We, uh, we're kind of like, I got it. I can do that. That's what I need to do. I got it. I can do that. I can. In fact, I don't want anybody to heal. I'm like, I need to do this for myself because I don't want to feel weak. So, you know, my generation is like, hello, like, what are we doing? I mean, really, what are we doing? And it appears to be offensive to some, you know, but the reality is at some point we have to hold up the banner of truth and righteousness and holiness in a spirit of love, but still going, there is no day where a preschool child should be at a drag queen show, I don't care who you are. So how we have arrived here is like, it is, it is the difference of normal and crazy. So I'm like, I know y'all, you know, if there's people that just hate Donald Trump, I'm like, well, tell, what else do we have to choose from? Because have y'all looked around? Is It's nuts. It's crazy out there. So I'm just, I'm just going to leave that right there. I'm just going to say, we have a responsibility to look at issues. We have to stop looking at people. If y'all need all your leaders to be your pastor, you're missing the point. You've got a pastor. You don't need a pastor. You need a leader that has enough chutzpah to lead. I don't care who it is. I mean, give me Ronald McDonald. I don't care who it is as long as we can get the thing rolling again, right? Because it is nuts. What I'm talking about right now is how you shift the earth so that the kingdom of heaven can begin to infiltrate our earth more and more and more. And it doesn't happen through our silence. It just doesn't happen through our silence. So I'm sorry. Let's go to James 3. 
We're going to go to James 3. We're going to get right on out of this. Okay, James 3, 15. That was not in, none of that was in my notes. So I'm out, I'm out here. This wisdom, here's James, says it's not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Now this is talking about bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, being arrogant, and you lie against the truth. Then it says, for where there is jealousy, selfish ambition exists. There is disorder in every evil thing. Now, have you ever thought of disorder this way before? Because we've been talking about um, that disorder in, in this regard. In self, how many of you think as we look around the world, there's selfish ambition? I mean, there's even selfies. Right? I mean, everything's about self. Everything's about self and being an influencer and all that. You know, it's all that. That's exactly, that's what the whole world is around us. And that whole thing is disordered living. There's a disorder to it. That's why it produces ick, just yuck. That's why it produces all that stuff. But have you ever thought about that that kind of disorder is attached to evil? Because that's what I just read to you in James 3. That's really something. I mean, that's something. A lot of us kind of thrive. There, there, you may be in this room today that you thrive in disordered situations because that's how you were raised. In fact, when there's not disorder, you feel uncomfortable. That's unfamiliar when there's peace and you create disorder. That happens to some people. If that's you, I want to, you to ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me the root of this. Why do I do this? Why, why when things get peaceful, do I upset the apple cart? Why, why is disorder always kind of following me around? Ask, ask yourself that. When something is out of order, you and I have a responsibility to bring it back into alignment. And that's what this, these principles are about, this binding and loosing. It's the key of the kingdom that unlocks so many of the doors of freedom for you and me. It's a beautiful thing. We've been talking about it in, on Monday nights. I lead a freedom group with Susan, and we've been talking about this issue of disorder, disordered thinking, disordered living, all of that. And I really think it's a, it's a real key in there to it. So today, as we break up into our small groups, that was short and sweet, right? Batter up. Okay, that's it. Okay, here's, what, here's the question I want you all to answer as you go around the room today. What has been your experience with binding and loosing, or is it new to you? This may be, this topic, you may be like, I don't even know what she's even talking about until I read it to you today. Because many, I mean, when I first learned about it years ago, I didn't even know, I didn't even know this was a thing. I had no idea this was even something I could do to bring the kingdom more here to rest on the earth. I had no idea. So you may be in that place today. This may be your first go, and you're like, okay, this is actually my first rodeo at Binding and Loosing. So, you know, you may want to just listen, but um, give everybody in your circle, we have plenty of time today. We've got a little over 15 minutes, and then I have a closing for us at the end. So John's going to put a little bit of music on, and then I'll be back up. All right, when you, when you guys get back to your seat, you can go ahead and stand up. So by a show of hands, who has had experience binding and loosing in your life? Yes, most of you. That's good. That's really good. It's really good. Okay, so when you get back to your seats, I want you to stand up, and we're going to pray together today before we go um, over the issue of abortion. And um, we may believe, you know, that we know that Roe versus Wade was overturned on a federal level, right? But how many of you know that that means that the power has been given back to the states 
So our state is in a real pickle right now. So we are going to declare our state is a sheep state. We're not a goat state. And there may be other states that decide to be goat states, but we are not among those. So North Carolina, we're going to stand and declare it. Now, anytime you speak to a group of women, there's always a chance that someone has had or someone's have had an abortion. And I want to say to you, there is freedom, forgiveness. There is no shame. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. And that is just period. The blood of Jesus covers all, covers all. And, you know, in the, in the words of Maya Angelou, when we know better, we do better. And so from this for time forward, you can use your voice for good. You can stand for life. And so right now we're going to go, we're going to do some, some house cleaning. How's that? Y'all with me? So, Father, first of all, we want to come to you, and we thank you, Lord, for such a time as this. I thank you for this company of women that are gathered. I thank you, Lord, uh, for the power of life and death that lie in our tongue. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that it brings to each one of us. God, I thank you that when we come into alignment with you and what your desire for the earth is, God, that things become so much clearer when we get into that alignment. And so, Father, we want to go into this time, first of all, thanking you, putting you in your rightful place above all as ruler, as king. You are the highest and you are worthy of our song. And so we love you today, Lord, and we set you there. And now we look to this issue of abortion and we bind it in the state of North Carolina in Jesus' name. We look at you, we see you, open your eyes. We're not praying to the spirit of abortion, open your eyes. In the name of Jesus, we declare, we declare North Carolina a state of life. We declare it a place of redemption. We declare no more, no more uh, bloodshed will happen here. And we just declare this a new day for the state, for the Tar Heel State, for the state of North Carolina. And we say no further. This will go no further in the mighty name of Jesus. And now we loose over the state of North Carolina the spirit of life. We loose over the spirit of North Carolina revival. We loose over the state of North Carolina the blood of Jesus, which covers all sin. We loose over the state of North Carolina a new day in our, from our capital all the way to those mountain hills where I'm from in the name of Jesus. We declare a new day for our state and we ask Father God now we turn our attention back to you and we ask for a protection over our state. That you would protect us from those who would move here to bring a shift and a change that would be wrong for our state. And we ask God that you would even man the gates of our state with angels. That you would man them and that those people who are coming with a wrong agenda, we will not be a, secretary, a, a sanctuary state for those coming to get abortion. We will not be that in Jesus' name. We will not. And so we declare this state to be free in Jesus' name and to be in a new place where this is concerned. God, we ask that after today, we will begin to see policies and legislation that are following our prayers in the name of Jesus. That it will begin to, there'll be a shift and we'll see it just like we saw the overturn of Roe versus Wade, that we'll get to see it for our state. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that you are good and what you do is good. And so we praise you for it. We thank you for life and life more abundantly. 
And so, Lord, we seal this time. We seal our lives in the kingdom before you today. We love you most, Jesus. And we thank you that you are the kindest one that we know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys so much. Now, listen, I'll see you at Flourish. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. We'll see you there.